everyone, and welcome back to PTPOV. Today we have a really fun episode planned. We're going to talk all about acute care, physical therapy, the good, bad, and the ugly. And we have two really fun guests with us. Both are acute care physical therapists in the Phoenix area, and they happen to be married to Kara and I. (laughs) So I would like to extend a warm welcome to Dr. Andrew Johnson and Dr. Henry Ott, which I don't know if I've ever referred to that way before, but (laughs) here we are. So let's just dive right in. Um, Henry, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little background on yourself, uh, where you went to school, where you've worked, and yeah, where you're at now. Dr. Chamberlain, thanks for the introduction. Um, My name's Henry. I was born and raised small town, Nebraska. Knew that I always kind of wanted to be adjacent to the medical field. And I started out in wanting to do athletic training all throughout high school into college. First year of college, I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I switched my major to nutrition, exercise, and health science, thinking that I would sort of pivot to physical therapy. After four years in Lincoln, go Big Red, I went to physical therapy school at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. And shortly after finishing up there, I started my job, took a job at an acute care hospital in Omaha, Nebraska, at a level one trauma center with, I think, like 350 beds, like a good size for Omaha. Worked there for a few years, primarily in the ICU, before making the move down here to be with Maggie. (laughs) And I have now been at my current job at a hospital down here in Phoenix, which is a little bit smaller, like 250-ish beds, and kind of rotate all throughout the hospital. So always on my toes. I've definitely enjoyed the two jobs that I've been lucky enough to have, and I think that's a Enough introduction. (laughs) That's a level one trauma as well, right? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Andrew? All right. Um, My name's Andrew Johnson. Uh, I grew up in Illinois, uh, and I did not know that I wanted to do anything healthcare related. I initially started school in mechanical engineering and kind of hated it. Uh, I like to talk to people way too much for that, so... Being a very injured human myself, having to go in and out of PT a lot, I decided maybe that was a sign and to go that route. So after a few years of failed attempts, I finally got into Creighton Mm -hmm. and went to Creighton University with my wife and and Maggie. Um, And after PT school, I ended up starting at the same level one trauma center as Henry on the same day. So (laughs) we worked there for about a year and a half before Kara got sick and tired of the cold and gray of the Midwest. And also couldn't find a job in 2020 in (laughs) Omaha, Nebraska. Fair enough. And we moved out here to Phoenix. And since being out here, I have worked in three different hospitals and now currently I'm at a level one trauma center that is about 200, like 10 beds, I think, uh, and growing. But I've worked at a very small hospital to start. And then one that was about 400 beds, a very large hospital um, that was in a retirement community. So a much different patient population. 
also fun fact andrew was the one to introduce maggie and henry because he did know them both separately first <laughs> and officiated our wedding yes. <laughs> and carly's wedding <laughs> speaking of which carly's um... here too everyone <laughs> i am i was gonna say brayden is a little bit hurt that he wasn't invited to the husband's podcast <laughs> um so shout out brayden sorry that you're downstairs while i hang out with our friends <laughs> all righty so henry and andrew how did you guys choose acute care so entering pt school did you know that you wanted to be an acute care therapist was it on your clinicals was it after clinicals that you kind of decided that this was the path for you walk us through that that journey so i would say like i said i started out thinking I would want to do athletic training. And part of the reason I switched to physical therapy was because not myself personally, but a few friends had been in very serious accidents and went through hospitalizations, stays at acute rehab, a lot of outpatient therapy. And I saw the kind of positive aspects that therapy had at each level. So that's why I initially got wanted to get interested in um, physical therapy. Wasn't sure like which route I wanted to take at that point. But then when we got into student rotations, the clinical instructor that I had at my acute rotation was the worst clinical instructor I'd had and wanted to be very hands-off, did not want to be involved with anything. I was pretty much on my own like the whole time. And it made for a lot of like super early mornings and super late nights. But then at the end of the day, I was like, man, this is like what I enjoy like this really makes me feel accomplished at the end of the day. I'm happy going to work. And that was the point where I was kind of like, maybe the acute care setting is more my speed than like an outpatient or an acute rehab. I think that's so interesting because like I go into outpatient because I had a great CI. So I feel like it's very interesting that you had a not so great CI, but persevered anyways. I should say too, there were like other therapists that were in the hospital that were like huge helps. Like if I had questions, I knew to go to them and they were great resources and like, Hey, you should look into this or try this. And that was a big help. But as far as like my CI went was, was not the best, but I definitely had the right resources that made it easier. I wasn't just like a 22 year old kid that had no idea what he was doing out there, <laughs> but. <laughs> but I feel like sometimes that's the, like, as much as it sucks having a really bad CI or bad clinical rotation, like I feel like at the end of the day, it's like, if you feel like what you're doing with your patients is still enjoyable, despite having like a crummy CI, like I feel like that's a good way to point you in the right direction of what you're supposed to do and what you want to do. Yeah. It's like the, like the, the bigger picture, the reason why I want to do it was there, but it was kind of like the, the nitty gritty of like how to become a better acute care physical therapist. I was like, I'll get more experience with that and other rotations. And um, so I think that was a good way to, like I said, get the the specifics to be a better acute care PT. And then my route was a little different. Uh, I originally went into school thinking that most likely I would do pediatrics. Um, that or just your general kind of outpatient. That's what I had the most experience with. I had worked as a tech in a hospital before, but it was in an acute rehab that was like inside of a hospital. So it was a little bit different. Um, but then I had a sick 
clinical rotation set up that uh, decided to just bail on me last minute. So I got set up in a acute care setting for my first clinical and very first patient might have vomited blood. I oh, uh, thought it was horrible. Was like, why are you making me do this? And six weeks later, I was I loved it. Uh, it was such a good experience. Got to see things I never thought I'd see. Um, basically felt extremely uncomfortable a lot, but I was one who I felt like I knew a lot to start. And then it made me feel like I knew nothing, <laughs> which was awesome and what I loved. Uh, so after that, I pretty much still thought I might do peds, but was very open to the hospital and then had a um, pediatric rotation that I actually loved, but it got me like thinking about the day-to-day everything about it where I realized maybe the longevity of me as a pediatric therapist would not be so great because I have really bad knees uh, and <laughs> multiple surgeries on both of them and getting up and down with the kiddos all the time. I was like, after 10 years, that might be bad. So um, I decided you know, the hospital route and kind of never turned back after that point. But you kind of did because you also did start the outpatient pediatric program at your first job. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of turning Did you forget back. forget about that? <laughs> I mean, I was still in a hospital. <laughs> but you went down to outpatient. I got to do a lot of different things at my first hospital. Like what? Uh, so that. They, were, <laughs> that, they were really supportive of anything I wanted to do. So I mentioned I loved working with kids. Uh, and they were wanting actually to maybe start a pediatric program so they pretty much just told me like whatever you need go do it and so I was able to start up a caseload there and and build one a little bit it made me move out of my ICU unit that I was supposed to be in and actually Henry took that area (laughs) we worked out really well and I moved to a smaller cardiac and ICU unit um, and did this pediatric basically outpatient therapy, um, just mixed throughout my day, a couple of days a week. And then I also did outpatient, uh, therapy with those with limb loss to start prosthetic training and gait training once they got their prosthesis and, uh, all sorts of random different things. Yeah, that's cool. I guess now for both of you, but like where you're both at now, what is your favorite population to work with and why? I think that's really hard to answer. Um, Really motivated patients are obviously the best to work with. I think no matter what setting that is really, really important. I think in the hospital, it is a totally larger deal. Um, They're in the worst time of their life. Typically Uh, they have a lot of things going wrong. And so them being motivated is huge. But if we're going based off diagnoses, I obviously have a really big soft spot for amputees. Uh, so I really love that. And then anything neuro related, I really enjoy because you get to think outside the box and do all sorts of like things you don't get to do with a lot of other patients in acute care. Oh, oh. <laughs> brains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just going to give you a shout out too. <laughs> I think I definitely feel the like most excited to work with patients. Like Andrew said, that are highly motivated and it's like, okay, my job, our job is to get this person like 
to an acute rehab. Like if that's improving their activity tolerance or spending extra time with them going kind of above and beyond, which it, it takes sometimes. Those are the ones that I'm like the most excited to see day in and day out. I definitely enjoy the, along those lines, kind of the higher acuity patients, trauma patients, um, like Andrew said, neuro patients, all a fun population to work with. I also get a lot of, I think, satisfaction working with the sort of like underserved population, which I definitely have seen more in Phoenix in this larger metro area and with my hospital's location than I did in Omaha. And I feel like it's a lot of, again, going above and beyond for patients that might need a little bit of going above and beyond for, and they haven't got it, gotten it in previous hospital stays or whatever it might be. I just feel like that is such a rewarding population to work with. Definitely very challenging, but something that I find I enjoy working with. What's an example of going above and beyond in your world? This doesn't make you happy all the time, but it makes for some late nights. Um, if the patient is like off the floor for a procedure or whatever it might be like in the morning and it's like, all right, they're not appropriate to see until like the very end of the day. And it's like, why well, I, I just have to stay and work with them. Or if it's, I don't know, a patient that takes a lot of coordinating with like the nursing staff or other members of the interdisciplinary team to be like, Hey, I want to catch this person at like the best time. How can I do that? And then you walk in and they're like, Oh no, I just got my lunch. Sorry. I can't do it. And then it's like, okay, we got to kind of, again, get the ball rolling to work with them at their, their best time, which takes a lot of coordination, planning, extra effort. Thank you for the perfect transition, Henry. Um, tell us about your interprofessional relationship and working with other disciplines and how that what that looks like in the acute care setting. I think first off, I'm I'm lucky to work with the PTs and OTs that I really have to work with quite a bit, whether it's like getting a quick sentence or two from the PT that worked with the patient the day before to be like, hey, just so you know, like this person needs this or that, or their family's coming in at this time to go over whatever. Um, it's definitely takes a lot of teamwork, takes a lot of communication with PTs, with OTs. So if we need to coordinate, like, hey, I'm going to see this person at this time. Um, if you want to incorporate, like, doing things while they're up in the chair, in the bathroom, I'd be happy to, like, try to set up what works best for for everyone, for the patient, first and foremost. As far as, like, nurses and physicians, I'm also lucky. It's very easy to talk with doctors, which isn't the case in, like, the outpatient or other settings, really. So just a quick message of like, hey, I think this is going on or, hey, I'm very concerned for this. Doctors are usually pretty receptive to like, well, hopefully they're pretty receptive to what I'm trying to say because sometimes they might have their own plans for things, which is definitely a challenge. But as far as communication with nurses and doctors, I feel like it's very easy to raise any concerns or kind of come up with a better plan for the patient. I think it can be extremely variable depending on which environment you're in, like which specific hospital you're in. Um, I've had experience in four different hospitals and I know the very first one that Henry and I worked at, I had a great culture, very much promoted interdisciplinary work communication um, where it was fantastic. 
Uh, that's not always the case in a lot of these hospitals as well. I've been in some that haven't had nearly as good communication um, or even like understanding of what everybody's roles are, which I think is probably the most important part. And like your organization really needs to do a lot to kind of set those standards that that is something that everybody should know and respect. Um, so I think that in uh, acute care, that it is extremely important. And so we work with a lot of other people. Um, so it's one of those where in the environments that really kind of value physical therapy and the mobility, um, which all the research shows that early mobilization and hospitalizations is the like best thing that it can do to like decrease hospital stay, improve outcomes, um, and just overall functionality of your patients. Some of those hospitals like really promote it. And so you'll notice when you're in with a patient, other people might come in like nursing staff, things like that, and kind of respect your time and be like, oh, okay, like I'll come back later, like when we can medicate after that, or you can coordinate with them beforehand. So that way you don't run into those issues. Whereas in certain settings, it's hard because even like they'll come to just draw blood, they'll come to take vitals, they'll do all this other stuff where they'll just interrupt your session. And we are ones who build by the kind of unit. And so, you know, we're, we're timed. And so it's kind of really hard to adjust a lot of that stuff. Um, I got off track rather than communication, <laughs> but just it's a good tangent. Um, good soapbox. First podcast. <laughs> so uh, I apologize. Um, cut. Uh, <laughs> so uh, basically communication. So you really need to, you know, talk with your nursing staff, basically figure out when your schedule is going to be, when you can have patients medicated for certain things. Um, you need to talk with your OT. Uh, some people do partners. Some people do just kind of random schedules. So kind of making sure that if you do need to see together, that you can do that. Or if you can dovetail your sessions so you can uh, be together for certain aspects, but be able to do your thing separate or make sure that you're seeing them um, far enough apart where they're going to have a rest break. Um, sometimes it's coordinating with the respiratory therapist if they are somebody who might be like ventilated or um, have different oxygenation needs where they might need a little bit more uh, assistance from an RT. Um, just communicating with doctors based off of discharge, how they're doing, um, different things like that. Yeah, that's a lot more than I do on a regular basis. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I feel like that's a good segue into another question too, is what other types of challenges do you face in acute care from like your day to day? As far as like issues throughout the day that we deal with, um, pretty frequently, it's just really hard to sometimes go see a patient. When they're in the hospital, they have all sorts of different test procedures. They're in and out of the room. Uh, if they're a patient that's on dialysis, they have that going on. Somebody just ordered breakfast. Hey, I don't want to work with you until I get breakfast. Understandable. Insane. It's just, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's just like kind of hard sometimes to see patients. And you can come up with like kind of a schedule in your head. Like, I want to go here to this unit. I'm on two different units today or like you know, working the way through and you just have to be flexible because uh, anything you try to plan just isn't going to work that way. And so I think that's a really big one. Um, sometimes patients don't want to work with you. And I don't know, there's just so many issues where it's just hard 
to go see patients sometimes. And there's some days where you feel like everything goes smooth and like, I can go see 10 patients easy today. And other days you feel like you're running around and you see five at the end of the day. Yeah. Definitely like the, just the overall busyness of the hospital, like all the things you mentioned, make it, make it tough sometimes. I think one of the things that kind of keeps me up at night is just like the things that make for like a unsafe discharge, but are like out of our control. Like if the patient really doesn't have any insight into why they're a fall risk, not safe at home, but they're like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to go home. I'll be fine. That's where it's just like definitely a challenge. And I think being able to get the patient things that they might need to make for a safe discharge that aren't always approved through insurance or whatever it might be, or they're not approved to go to an acute rehab or whatever it is. Those are tough things that don't get easier with time because it's just something like we can't control makes it even tougher. I feel like I think part of that too, is some members of the team don't always have the best like understanding of acute care PT or other levels of PT like knowing when someone's appropriate for sniff or acute rehab or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, where do you guys see PT evolving or growing over the next five to 10 years in the acute care setting? Do you think it's going to look the exact same? Do you think it's going to be slightly different, completely different? What do you think? I think that if you would have asked us this question, like when we first started, who would have thought because we both started like July, August of 2019. And, uh, eight months later, we were like, had this brand new disease that was like taking over ICUs and hospitals across the world. So it's kind of crazy to look back and think like, man, it did change quite a bit in like the first year of us working as acute care PTs. But to answer your question, I think that research is showing more and more that like what Andrew mentioned, the benefits of early mobilizations, like getting out of bed as soon as possible makes for just overall better outcomes. And that I think plays right into physical therapy in the acute care setting. As I think just physical therapy as a whole is growing like crazy. People are finding how finding out how important it is, the benefits it can have. And I think a, a rising tide lifts all boats. So I feel like across the profession, it's going to continue to grow and improve and evolve, hopefully all for the better. I love the glass half full thing. Um, <laughs> I see both ways. Uh, oh. I think that there's a lot of things. No, there's a lot of things showing that, you know, all the the pros, the benefits of it, everything, um, getting everybody moving as early as possible. Um, there's all sorts of research that came out that's starting up after um, COVID that basically after um patients are ventil ventilated, kind of how uh, mobilizing on the vent can really, really improve their respiratory status can improve their lung strength can improve um, them basically getting off the vent a heck of a lot quicker and a lot of other functions within the body improve with that mobility that is being done um, at the earliest level and the most acute stages. I think it's great that we practice at a level that's probably above and beyond what um, there are a lot of standards out there for. Like uh, if you look at your like APTA manual on uh, when we see a patient like for like their hemoglobin level, for example, we're, we're way beyond that clinically, uh, as far as I believe it says below 10 that you should proceed with caution, um, for people, which is 
crazy, crazy. Guy. I don't, I don't think uh, I've ever seen it. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know what that means a whole lot, but basically we'll see people all the way down to six, probably fairly frequently. Once they get below six, they'll, they'll end up getting a transfusion or things like that. But you have certain standards that you have to proceed with, but you can mobilize patients um, in some areas that used to not be ever heard of or thought of, which is fantastic. So I think that Clinically, we're starting to see a lot of these things progress where that used to be absolute no-nos or bed rest for things are now being prescribed immediately physical therapy because it's shown all the benefits for it. Um, however, then there's things in the hospital where you feel like you're getting nowhere and things kind of are, are really slow moving with, with certain aspects as far as, oh, we're regressing with certain aspects like the Medicare waiver that at least came out during COVID where uh, patients that very clearly were not safe to go home um, and would need a, a rehab stay could then leave at any point in time if they were deemed medically stable, which happens very often, especially out here where we have an older patient population um, that, you know, aren't safe at home um, and need somewhere there where they will be safe, where they can get stronger to just go home. That happens a lot. Um, they used to be able to leave whenever. Uh, now it's uh, they have to stay multiple midnights in the hospital before they can discharge to a location like this if they are admitted, um, where all of a sudden once that got retracted by Medicare, then, hey, we're starting to see longer hospitalizations where you're starting to kind of have larger issues where you're having a larger patient population, which then spreads staff more thin, which things just don't get done as easily. Um, I know that there's a large healthcare system that kind of just changed um, the whole role of basically therapies in the hospital, where one of the key components is us being able to figure out what a safe discharge location is for patients. We get to spend the most time with them out of any healthcare professional pretty much within the hospital. We get to see them multiple days in a row. We get to get them mobilizing. We get to see their cognition. We get to see all these things where we determine kind of discharge and what's safe for them afterwards. Um, and one of the largest healthcare systems around kind of just took that away where now therapists are no longer allowed to uh, recommend discharge location. Um, they're allowed to basically say their deficits. And then the doctor is the one, the medical doctor, the physician, um, the hospitalist is the one that has to determine where the patient is discharging, where um, all the time you'll have a patient, you'll be in with a patient, a doctor comes to talk to them and they'll be like, oh yeah, you can go home tomorrow. And this patient hasn't stood up in 12 days um, where then the patient thinks they can go home and it's not a safe discharge location where I feel like that will cause all sorts of issues in the future because it's not always looked at and cared as a whole person. They see the numbers, they see the values, they see things that everything looks good. Yes, the patient is medically safe. However, it doesn't mean they're going to be safe at the next location, which I think is our unique perspective that we get to do. And the fact that one of the uh, system is kind of taking that away is, is kind of scary. And so that's where I have the maybe not as half full outlook on it. Carly's jaw was on the ground when you just talked about that. Yeah. I don't know that is terrible. <laughs> as one of the settings that like people go to when they shouldn't go home. Like <laughs> that's, <so> scary. <laughs> um, that's terrifying. Yeah. So you see it going more that direction. Do you think that they are going to figure it out that we are actually smart and they should use our brains as well. No clue. When they see like hospital readmission rates, my guess is they'll recognize that that may not be the best decision. 
Mm. Agreed. And they are a very big numbers company. So (laughs) that's going to, well, that's going to be a big number (laughs) number of people. (laughs) That should be an alarming number. (laughs) And so I think that we also should do like a positives thing. I was going to ask that next is like, (laughs) what is like your favorite part of your job? Like, what do you love about work? Um, we'll go with some positives and what I love maybe the most. Okay. All right. I'm taking it over. Uh, <laughs> this is Andrew's podcast now. <laughs> um, so as far as some positives, I think what is great is the autonomy that you have. You don't, you don't have a schedule that you especially have to go by. Um, you get your list of patients and you can go see them in whatever order that you want. If you have, you can, you have some downtime. You can go document after one. You can document after you see a couple. Depending on where you work, they might have different standards on that. Um, but you can go take your bathroom break whenever you want. You can you get to go take your lunch sometimes whenever you want. Um, because every day is a little different um, with that aspect. So I think kind of having more of that freeform schedule is really, really nice. Um, having your documentation that's all being done within the day is really nice that I know is not always the case in some outpatient clinics. Um, That's fantastic. I really love our perspective because as I mentioned earlier, we get to spend more time than anybody else with these patients in the hospital. We're the ones who um, get to spend the most one-on-one time. So the nurse might see them more often, but we're typically in in there with them longer, um, which is really unique. We get to find a lot of things. There's all the time within our department, we get to flag things where we notice changes from day to day with a patient where we might be able to catch a stroke. We might be able to catch things where we can make a really big difference in these people, people's lives and care, um, where we can catch some, some things where, Hey, a new provider might come on, you know, at any time and they're coming in rounding and they have so many patients they're in there for maybe a couple minutes and they're just talking with them. They might not notice these deficits that come up uh, where we can then speak up and and have imaging or whatever it might be and, and be able to have a really big say in, in how this patient does. Um, and then I think as far as favorite thing, I love being creative and working with people at like severe deficits and, and getting to see them grow and start to like get their the glimmer of having the kind of their life back um a lot of times people go through these really really hard things and um you know like icu stays i know henry and i have a lot of experience in in icus where we get to see people where they've come off a ventilator they can't even you know hold a cup they can't bring something to their mouth to drink where the first we get to be with them when they sit up for the first time when they take their first steps when they finally get to go home uh, that kind of stuff where I think you get to like really know the person, get to see them go through their big emotional states um, and these big um, milestones. And I think that that's just really, really cool to be a part of, uh, to get to be such a large difference in somebody's life where you can become like a very pivotal person in somebody's life in a very small time frame, which I think is really, really cool and uh, something that not always do you get to do in in outpatient um, where we get to do it often and sometimes multiple times in the same day, which is really cool. I'd say, yeah, to, to piggyback off of how Andrew um, 
finished up there. I think that seeing someone at maybe their the lowest point in their life and then being a part of the team to address that, to improve that, to get them farther and farther away from this low, low point in their life is just such a almost indescribable feeling. I These people, for one reason or another, wound up in a hospital. Like no one comes to a hospital under their own, well, some do, but <laughs> no one intentionally goes to the ICU to get physical therapy and get better. They're in the ICU because of, like I said, one reason or another, and they need so much intensive care, intensive support physical therapy included to get their life back together, or at least get that whole process started. And it's just so rewarding. I think sometimes I might lose track of that. And I try to remind myself at the end of each day, it's like, man, today might have been long. It might have been like very, like kind of hectic and all over the place. But like, I played a part in helping people get out of the hospital and get back home. And I think that that is, again, hard to like put into words. It's just a cool feeling. and I just love it. And I think just being part of a team and having support of other therapists in the hospital and other members of the team is, is a, something I look forward to every day. You guys are making me want to switch to acute care. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> what advice do you guys have for a student considering a, a job in acute care? Or a, or a non-student, a PT, who's not been in acute care, who's like, hey, I want to go to acute care. Student or career change. Sorry, setting change, not career change. <laughs> yeah, or even like a PRN <laughs> weekend situation. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you always hear like, don't be afraid to like hop in there and, and immerse yourself or comfortable being uncomfortable, other cliches like that. But I think that's important being able to like immerse yourself is is great you want to be able to be very hands-on and i'm sure we've both been at times very uncomfortable in the situation but it's part of the job but i think my advice would be to like use the skills that you have like don't think that just because this is a little different setting the skills that you have as a person as a pt don't go out the window like still be creative still find ways to like incorporate exercises or activities that are beneficial to the patient. You might have to think like outside of the box because certain things aren't like feasible when you're in a hospital bed or in a hospital room that's small or packed with all sorts of lines and equipment and stuff. But I think just trying to think outside of the box and be creative and being flexible and ready to have plan D when plan A, B, and C don't work is a good thing to to work towards. Yeah, I mean, as far as for a student, I would say that um, I'm very thankful that Creighton makes you do kind of as many settings as possible during your rotations. I think every school should do that. I know not all of them do because you can go into school thinking you want to do one thing and actually really enjoy something else completely different. So I think every student should do at least one acute care rotation. I think it makes you think in a much different way. Um, it makes you see PT in a different light where we get to do a lot of very different things within our profession, within our scope that I think is really, really cool. Um, as far as if you're thinking about making a change, I think it's really important. You talk to people that do it. Um, 
you know, make sure that, Hey, you get your questions answered, let them kind of describe things to you. Um, because it can be a lot different than what you think. A lot of people just have the kind of fear of hospital hospital is a scary place. Um, it really doesn't have to be. Um, so kind of slightly different. I think everybody's afraid of the ICU. I think it's the most supportive environment there is in a hospital, um, because it is a little more intensive. There's more attention. You have a lot more support. You have a lot of other professionals there that are trying to do the same thing, which is maintain patient safety. So even though it is a little scary, you actually have a good support system within a hospital, which is really, really nice. Um, so I think reaching out to people that do it and have that experience is going to be fantastic. I think what is really kind of neat is I've actually kind of convinced two different friends that were in our class to move into acute care, um, at least temporarily for fun and to have friendship. Um, and one started on like PRM and ended up kind of doing it and realizing, hey, I actually really, really like this. Uh, I thought he wanted to do like outpatient or geriatric, um, found that he loved inpatient, found that he especially loved inpatient oncology, which is a floor that I, I can't, I personally can't do. And I, I, uh, it takes a special person to be able to, to do that. And he found that that was really like his favorite place that he's ever been, uh, which is really cool. So, um, and then another one who was just moving out here for a temporary time wanted to, you know, just always be an outpatient. I basically convinced him to at least come work with me. He'd make a little more money uh, in acute care. At, so there's that aspect too, sometimes for people. Um, and now he has since moved away and only considered acute care jobs afterwards. So I think that um, just keeping your your mind open to things uh, is really important because you, you find different aspects of the job that are really unique and different. Sounds really great. Thank you both so much for your answers. Well, it wouldn't be PTPOV without a game. So we have a game, and I think because Carly hasn't seen this, I think I'm going to toss Carly in there too. Ooh. So it is Henry versus Andrew versus Carly. We are playing movie quote trivia. Oh, no. Henry's going to win. I haven't watched a movie since I married Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, first first one to answer wins the point. Okay, I read the quote, you say the movie. Okay? Number one, you're going to need a bigger boat. Jaws. Oh, shit. Apparently he saw that before he married Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Scarface. Ooh, I'm going to give that to Andrew. Yeah, it's definitely Andrew. <laughs> Here's Johnny. The Shining. Ah, yes. Andrew. I've never seen it. Or Scarface. <laughs> or Jaws. <laughs> you shall not pass. Lord of the Rings. Carly, anytime now. You want to jump I'm in? here. I swear. <laughs> Are you going to start? You got any like Will Ferrell quotes in there? Because I'll kill it. I should have. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Oh, we got one. Yes! All right. She's on the board. All right. It's like letting your best friend sleep in a silk hammock. They're breezy, they don't bind, and they give you just enough swing. Oh no, it's a guy wearing tights. Bora? No. Oh no. Everyone could see Carly's face right now. She's in <laughs> agony. 
the picture of racking your brain. Hold on, I know it. <laughs> I don't know this one. I've heard it. <laughs> it hurts me, but I give up. What is it? John Tucker must die. Oh. <laughs> I hate myself. I picked <laughs> <laughs> this quote out for you. That one was specifically put in for Andrew. Like, I failed. literally picked it. I was like, you should do a John Tucker must die quote. <laughs> I may or may not have watched that movie more than any other movie in my life. <laughs> All right, ready for the next one? Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Princess Bread? Nice job, Carly. That's two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to peter out here pretty soon, but that's two. Thank you. (laughs) They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Braveheart. Carly! I'm just going to say at this point, I've literally only seen two of these movies. (laughs) Wizard of Oz? Yep. And John Tucker must die. <laughs> the classics, some may say. Some may say. All right, next. If you build it, he will come. Yield of dreams. Yeah. Ooh, Carly. Yikes. I shouldn't have invited you. Do you guys feel hustled? Yeah. <laughs> All right, next. It's a trap. Come on. Kara told me this would happen. <laughs> I know the meme. Yeah. Like space balls? No, oh, come on. Kind of close. It's a space movie. It's a trap. Star Trek. Almost. Star Wars? Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Return of the Jedi, to be specific. That was a little rough. That was like the only one I knew on this list. So. <laughs> okay. If we listen to each other's hearts, we'll find we're never too far Goofy apart. movie. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Power line. The greatest fictional movie or uh, music artist of all time. Yeah, not fictional, real. <laughs> Love it. Okay, for the tiebreaker, I think it's three to three to three. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just making that. <laughs> um, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Godfather. Never seen it. Oh Me either. God. Wow, that actually went, that actually went better than I was expecting. <laughs> I showed Kara that list, and she was like, "Nobody's gonna get these." <laughs> well, especially I was like, "It's a trap," and she's like, "But it's from Return of the Jedi." I was like, "And like a bunch of other things." I was gonna say that's not that's just a phrase. Like, I said that twice today. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew knew exactly the meme I was talking about, the alien guy. It's a trap. Yeah, I had no idea that was Star Wars. Oh, man. Is that how you knew The Shining, too, was the the guy breaking through the door? Just his face, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like at, like, arenas on the Jumbotron, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it. Well, thanks again, both of you, for joining us. Of course. Thanks Um, for having us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of PTPOV. We are on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we would love it if you would like us and follow us. We will see you next time.